up, everybody? Welcome back to Keith and Mike Watch Star Trek Deep Space Nine. We got the cue right this time. Nailed I'm it. so excited. We've got a Nailed really great it. episode to talk about. We are talking about Deep Space Nine Season 1, Episode 7, Dax. Uh, Mike, how you doing? Oh, I'm I'm doing good. I, I've thanked people in every other show. I'll thank them here. Thanks for those sending out their well wishes as I recovered from the COVID-19, mostly. Uh, you might hear a couple. I'm, I'm doing my best to use my cough button so you don't hear me cough Ooh. all over the show. So professional. Uh, but uh, I'm feeling good. I had a great night last night. I had so much work to catch up on after the, the week I had to take off. And uh, what was really nice after a hard day of working was to stay at the computer and watch some Star Trek. <laughs> and uh, it was great to to learn a little bit more about Dax because of all the characters, Keith. I feel like we've had the most, I've had the most questions about the Trill and Dax and what's making her tick, they tick. And I got some of those answers last night. It was, it was cool. I'm excited to talk about it. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. Me too. So, um. Uh... We're going to do our little commercial for our Patreon, but if you're if you're watching, there are chapters below if you don't want to listen to the commercial, especially if you are already one of our patrons uh, to whom we are immensely grateful. If you would like to join our uh, compatriots, you can go to patreon.com slash K and M. That's patreon.com slash K and M. Spell out that and. And uh, Mike, who would they be joining? Oh, the esteemed colleagues you would be joining are none other than Alan Zimmerman, Jorge Navoa, Cloud Lover 69, Brian Kaufman, and for the briefest of moments, Keith, mm. gaming account who who popped into the, the Patreon and Come left back. us some messages and was commenting on all the goodies in there and then popped come out. Back. So we, come on we miss back. You. We yeah, 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 come on back. Uh well and and uh if you were to go there, you'd find find some really fun stuff. Uh you know we talked you, you yeah, there it is. Uh, <laughs> we uh, we've got some really fun stuff, uh, including uh, ask me anything's. We have some uh, watching Mike watch the episode, which I actually I I peeked in on on one of them, and I was like, hey, that actually is pretty entertaining. It's fun. And it's as if I don't stare at your face enough. Uh, I was like, you know what? I, I I might actually watch one of those. And I have to say, what I've learned, Keith. You know, when we're doing the practice and it's audio only, mm-hmm. well, unless you're a patron, which you can watch the show with us. That's uh, true. Uh, it's we feel like we have to talk quite a bit to like you know like make it because we're talking. But mm-hmm. when I'm watching the show and we're kind of watching together, I find that I can let there be some silence and actually enjoy the show and not have to like continually jibber jabber. Although, don't worry, I jibber jabber quite a bit. In fact, Jen don't came do- in. She goes, "Are you talking to like people live?" And I said, "No, no." She's like, "Oh, you're talking to yourself?" And I said, mm-hmm. "Yeah." Yeah, 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 that's definitely true. Uh, We have another one. We did a bonus episode of The Next Generation, an important one here to the Deep Space Nine canon, which will be dropping shortly, where both of us uh, get to sort of talk over the episode, which was really fun and enlightening for you, Mike. Yes. uh, Oh, yes. We met the Cardassians for the first time. Mm -hmm, We did, and and we we got to remember just how... the Look, I love Benjamin Sisko. In fact... This episode, I really love Benjamin Sisko. He's really starting to grow on me, but mm. it's always nice to remember Picard. A good Jean-Luc, Jean-Luc yeah. Picard. He, he doesn't take so, any shit. No, it is good stuff. So anyway, uh, join us at patreon.com slash K&M. Spell out that and. So uh, with no further ado, I think we should talk more about 
Dax. Uh, really good early episode of Deep Space Nine. And it aired on uh, Valentine's Day in 1993, Sunday, February 14th, 1993. How apropos. And, uh, indeed. And uh, you know what would be a really good song to sing to your Valentine? Still the number one tune, Michael. And I will always love you. Dolly Parton's I Will Always Love You, performed by Whitney Houston. The top movie was Groundhog Day. Huh. The top movie was Groundhog Day. Mm. It's bad. Mm. It's bad. It's bad. But there it was. The headline of the New York Times, I like this one. The headline was actually, Oi, Gewalt, New Yorkies, an endangered dialect. Was actually, uh, I, I... Speaking of someone who's lived in New York for 20 years, uh, it's not that endangered. 1993, we were worried, like, oh, are we going to lose the New York accent? Nope. Don't worry. Still have it. So, the actual episode, this episode was directed by David Carson. Uh, Mike, do you uh, remember David Carson? Uh, yeah, the good old, uh, the first son of Johnny Carson, late night royalty. Mm-hmm. Uh, good boy. Mm-hmm. Good boy. Yep. Uh, none of that's true, but he did direct Emissary, the pilot. So uh, coming back for another round of Deep Space Nine, this episode was written was as a teleplay by legend, Star Trek legend, DC Fontana, who uh, wrote 11 episodes of the original series, 22 episodes of the animated series, five episodes of, D- of Next Generation. This is her only episode of DS9. Now, Mike, do you know why she is listed as DC Fontana as opposed to Dorothy Fontana? I'm sure it's some sort of a rights or royalty issue. Or because maybe it had to do with the fact that she was a female and that wasn't something we were doing? I don't know. That feels not right, but maybe. Uh, It feels not right uh, because it is not morally right. However, you are technically correct because this was back in the 60s writing for Star Trek. They uh they did not want people to know that a woman wrote that episode, which is egregiously offensive. Uh, but fantastic writer, really happy. Uh, part of the the lifeblood of Star Trek, and uh, so it's the teleplay by DC Montana and Peter Allen Fields, who wrote ten episodes of Deep Space Nine and three of Next Generation, with a story by Peter Allen Fields. So uh now. Mike, are you excited for uh, Trivial Trivia? Excited Uh, enough to play the bumper? Let's do it. I can't wait. Now, Keith, waste your time with Trivial Trivia. Okay. So here's some. Wait a second. Now that I'm kind of getting into the show, when do we get that episode with Oda? That looks awesome. Uh, It's not going to be for a while, but it is. Awesome. All right. Uh, so I, I imagine instead of me playing the piano on that on that jingle, it's it's Odo. That's that's my plan. So uh, yeah. anyway, so here is some trivia from this episode. Number one, there is a replica of the fertility idol from Raiders of the Lost Ark in Dax's quarters. So uh, on her glass display shelf, there is a, a Raiders idol on huh. that shelf. Hopefully in the screenshots we'll find it and not the uh, gavel thing. 
not that that like gavel ball, not that. No, no, no. Like the the fertility that he steals right in the in the uh, in the very yes. very beginning. Uh so that's cool. Uh, number two, the matte painting of Kleistron Four is a reuse of Angel One from the Next Generation episode Angel One. Reduce, reuse, recycle. Uh, guest actor Gregory Itzen makes one of his five characters in the Star Trek universe. Uh, great actor, used many times. And uh, uh, Mike, I'm sure you recognized him because he also has five separate characters on the practice. I kept, I was like, I know that guy. And I started singing the bumper that uh, yeah, you'd know so, if you watch our other show. But it goes a little something like this. You're not supposed to know this, but you've been on the show before. But now you get twice the residuals knocking at your door. At first you were this guy, then you were this. We're not supposed to know this, that you've been on the show before. But now you get twice the residuals arriving at your door. So welcome back to the Star Trek. Trek. Nine. <laughs> At first you were an alien, and now you're another alien, and this time you're an alien with something on your face, and you got a little thing and another little thing. Star Trek. <laughs> I'll have to do a Star Trek version of that bumper. <laughs> so uh, stupid. It's so Love it inside joke. Love it inside joke. Oh, my goodness. There's like one person in the universe who watches both shows. Who's going to be very excited. All right, so... <laughs> last and it's not my mother so the last yes. <laughs> last piece of driven i you know i think my mother gets all she needs of us on on the practice no, so no. uh the last piece of trivial trivia is uh when odo says the extradition hearing should take about 30 minutes we are 30 minutes from the end of the episode oh we love a ticking clock on this show yeah we do indeed and that was a like a fourth wall ticking clock so, uh, some, now we're going to talk about some guest stars. We have uh, Fiona Flanagan, um, who also played Data's mother in The Inheritance on The Next Generation and the Vulcan ambassador on the Enterprise Fallen Hero. So we'd, we'd be playing that bumper for her, too. And, of course, we have Gregory Itzen as Alan Tondro. We have Anne Haney as Renora. And Richard Lineback as Selen Pierce, who did an episode of Enterprise as Kessick in the Zindi. So, uh, much like the practice, Star Trek reuses the same actors over and over and over again. Uh, which, why wouldn't you? Because they, they can be aliens, right? Uh, it's a little more jarring on regular television where you can't put them in a Klingon outfit. All right, so, Mike, I think it's time to yeah. uh, hop into the viewing room and uh, take a look at this episode. What do you say? As long as you give me permission, because the last time I went to a different scene, you got very angry at me. So you always have permission to go to the right scene. Okay, fair. Way there we are. <laughs> we did it. All right. So here we are in the teaser of Dax. Uh, we find out that O'Brien is off on a trip, and everything is breaking down. And uh, we see here Bashir hitting on Dax as always. And uh, we get our first reference to Rock to Gino. So, uh, meanwhile, as they're having this weird uh, conversation, uh, a shady dude is staring at Dax through a grate that leads to nowhere. 
Uh, I don't know what's going on. Gregory Itzen is there. Yeah, what I like about this is that they're standing up, like, fully erect. So clearly there's just, like, a full-sized cavity directly inside of the bar where you can just sort of uh, perv out. That well, that's what I'm wondering. Like, it, what, what, where, what is the purpose of the uh, the thing that they're standing in? Is it? Yeah, it's like a little perv cove. It's a perv cove. Also, question up front, just right away. Mm-hmm. Maybe like people were people really excited about Colin Meany, and so they were like, "We got to let everybody know he's not in this episode." Right as the first line of the episode. Uh well, it it's not that. It's a bit of a spoiler. Because it's a piece of the trivia for next episode, which I've prepped, but you know what? Uh, you won't remember. So uh, no. Colomini is out for this episode and next because he was filming a movie. Oh. And so they uh, needed to explain while, why he was gone. So uh, that's what well, they did. That- it confused me, though, as a, as a viewer because, and it really confused me because they were very specific about it. They said he's going to Earth to celebrate his mother's like 100th birthday or something. Mm-hmm. And then later, when we meet the the arbiter, she her first line is, "I am a hundred years old." So I started thinking, "Oh, maybe that's his Ooh. mom," and it's a whole like crossover thing. But no, it's just, they just decided to make two people a hundred. Uh, well, look, they were just referencing that uh, people live a lot longer in the future. So, but uh, but yeah, no, that is a, it was a little shoehorned in there, but you know, fair enough. So uh, anyway, so here we are in the Perv Cove. And uh, all of a sudden, Dax is confronted by Itzen and two hooded goons. Never and, good uh, to have a hood. Never good to have a hood. Look at that screenshot. <laughs> oh, my God. That is like the, cre- the cre- creepiest thing here. Like, Dax is literally being uh, abducted. But, you know, Bashir's creepier there. Uh, so, uh, all of a sudden, they... Uh, she gets attacked. Bashir takes a very long time to decide to help, but he does get beaten up, and Dax is abducted. You know what I learned from this scene, mm. Keith? What did you I learn? I learned that if I'm ever just like walking around and I'm being trailed by some goons, mm-hmm. if they ask me if I'm Mike and Deglio, best answer, nope. I, I I I don't think you learned that from this scene. I mean, I think you <laughs> learned that from being Mike and Deglio. Or living in New York. Or living in New York. It was like, why are you asking? Are oh, you so and so? Best answer? No. No. Just start with no, and then you you can always make it yes later. Right. But uh, yes, instead of yes and, it's yes later. So uh, yeah. So Dax gets full on abducted at the beginning of the teaser, and uh, we begin with Act One. Well, Kira don't forget, Bashir gets his ass kicked. That's the other important. Bashir part does get his ass kicked, although he does stand there for a very long time before deciding to uh, intervene and help. Yes, and then he decided not to hit a woman. So I guess, okay, like I will save you, girl. I'm crushing on, unless it's a girl abducting you. In which case, sorry, I'm just gonna let myself get beat up. Apparently, I don't know if that was a choice or just Bashir's. Bashir's not. Uh, it, it, there are many people on this station that I'd love to have have my back yeah, in a he th- fist He's fight. not taking a hollow CrossFit. Let's put it that I would way. much rather, exactly, I'd much rather have Dax on my side uh, than Bashir. Uh, anyway, so Bashir wakes up and uh, calls for help. And Cisco tries to track Dax down, but they left her comm badge with Bashir, which um, for some reason the sensors in the station 
And this this has always been like a track thing that I don't quite understand. The sensors in the station are like so powerful, they can track people on planets, right? And they can like, oh, it's 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 this person is this much old, is about this race, this whatever. But apparently, within your starship, if you just take your communicator off, you're invisible to these sensors. Okay. Uh, so like the security is better now than it was then. Uh, but uh, whatever, it, it's symbolic. It's symbolic. So uh, Odo and Kira can't find them. Cisco realizes the techno babble problem uh, that they were having on Ops will prevent them from stopping the ship from leaving that has abducted Dax with a tractor beam. So the tractor beam won't work. Uh, but let's speak. Uh, maybe we can capture them with Keith's favorite technology, the force field. The force field. They eventually are able to trap Dax and the abductors with said force field. Cle- uh, no way, Keith, with your favorite technology, can they possibly override that and escape anyway? Oh, you think? Well, little do you know, they've got the little overrider, whatever, whatever. Uh, but uh, they do escape. But happily, Cisco has fixed the technobabble and get the tractor beam to work. So take that. Uh, they eventually come across and uh, grab them. There's the tractor beam. Yanking that ship back. They confront them. Here, ooh, good screenshots, Mike. There it is. Uh, it's an explains that he's leading an extradition force arresting Dax for the murder of his father. And we see Dax is super spaced out. Uh, so what? So here we, she's being extradited. What do you think here, Mike? Well, I thought it was interesting and well, and well written that she does not deny it. She, in fact, looks pained. It's, it's very interesting. The, her, her, the performance there is really... It, what I love is that they don't give her a lot of lines until the back end of the episode, which right. uh, felt a little, at first, felt a little uh, mansplainy, but her performance is so powerful because there's a lot mm. of remorse and regret and sort of conflict, which we come to understand why when we get to, into the intricacies of the trill and what the whole thing is. But I uh, I really enjoyed it, and I loved, well, we'll get to it. I don't want to preempt it, but I love that everybody's rushing to her defense, right? But, uh, except her. Yeah, yeah. For sure. So uh, at the beginning of Act 2, we find out through Odo that Curzon Dax, which was the previous host of Dax, which was Cisco's best friend, the old guy, was charged with the death of the victim, uh, the person, the Itzen's father, 30 years ago when he was a Federation mediator. So a uh, couple things we learned there. Uh well, mainly, we learned that, that Curzon used to work for the Federation as a meteor. A mediator, not a meteor. He's like flying through space. I'm a Federation meteor! <laughs> so, uh, Cisco says that Curzon Dask was flawed, but not a murderer. Odo says he's also been charged with treason. And the penalty for murder and treason is death. So, we have, we have some stakes going on here. Uh, so Cisco goes to Dax to ask what's going on, and Dask, Dax, oh my God! How we doing Brain. today, buddy? You feeling okay? We're doing great. You know, I've been I've been on the mic for like seven thousand years this week. Uh, Dax refuses to talk about it or assist in her defense. All right, so it's on this shelf here is the Indiana Jones idol. I think it's down here on the bottom. Let me see if to I to the can right of the blue thing, right? Yeah, yeah. Hold on. There it is. Yeah, yeah. I think that's it right there. Let me see if I can point. 
Five point. Oh, I've been corrupt. Well, you know what I mean. It's there. Uh, so that's cool. You're not cropped, buddy, just so you know. Oh, all right, fine, fine. I'm always so salty about, like, Mike cropping me. Uh, for no reason. So, uh, we learned from Cisco that he has been friends with Dax for 20 years. Uh, but Jedzia reminds him he's been friends with Curzon for 20 years, but not Jedzia. Um, this is the start of an interesting arc that I actually didn't really catch until the back end of the episode, but... I'll mention mm. it here as we go through because it's really interesting because the whole time Ben is fighting so hard to save his buddy, right? Because right. he keeps speaking of this. He hasn't mourned the loss of his friendship because his yeah. experience is that it's still ongoing through uh, Jadzia Dax. And the journey he's going to have to go on here, which I find so subtle and they don't hit you over the head with it, which is I love, it's so, I think, kind of wonderful, is that his defense, all of it is is keeping him from recognizing that yeah, if if his because his argument the whole time is she's a whole different person. She's a whole new person. Right, right, Yet right. He's not understanding that within the context mm. of his relationship with her. And he has to come to learn that. And he does by the end. And and it definitely is a point they're making. It's just a really subtle one. And I, I like that this early on in a show, they're willing to have some of these subtextual new more nuanced subplots. Well, and it's it's complicated, and it's 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 gray, and it's complicated, and emotion because you have like, and this whole thing is like you you have an emotional relationship. There's a practical, and then you have you know how does the relationship change? How does your uh, responsibilities change? Your culpability change? Um, and you know, it, it, teaser for the end. We don't really get a hard answer on that. Um, yeah, they sort of take with, a back way out, but well, and I I like that not being necessarily resolved anyway we'll get to it we'll get to it so uh back in cisco's office cisco realizes that they tried to secretly abduct dax because they have an extradition treaty with the federation and not bajor so uh kira and cisco team up and demand an extradition hearing but the, i i love the sort of relationship that cisco and kira have here um being able to sort of tee each other up yeah feisty and, kira comes in into play is helpful in this episode. And it's also, we see some of the benefits to having our chain of command include people with different responsibilities because mm -hmm. Cisco is in the Federation, so he's following Federation rules. And sometimes it's handy to have Kira there, not a member of the Federation, but representing right. Bajoran interests. Um, and that's, you know, that's a, that's a, a layer that we haven't had on Star Trek before, you know, cause Riker doesn't work for the Klingon empire. You know, Rikers in the Federation, they're all under the same sort of set of rules. So, anyway, that's cool. So, uh, we head off to Quark's, and Odo tells Quark they need to shut down the bar to hold the hearing. Quark says no, but Odo naturally extorts him with building codes, like he would, um, as they continue their, uh, seven-year flirtation. Mm -hmm. So, uh... Which which is odd. You think when you really work your head around the size of this station, right? The square footage of this station, it is absolutely gigantic. And what they said a couple episodes ago, there's only 350 some odd people on this station. 
So there is a lot of empty space, but the only yeah, place- and you got the hollow suites and you could just make a whole thing, right? You can make like a whole courtroom in the hollow. You could do a whole bunch. There are options. Ah, well, that's an, in- all right. So this is going to be interesting, Mike. So the hollow suites, do you know how they work? I mean- The holodeck slash hollow suites. Apparently, apparently not. <laughs> so, well, they have- I'm only thinking of the one episode where, where in in, in uh, next gen, where uh, Worf is making it with his lady friend, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. they're doing a whole like uh, hunting fight sequence in like the jungle. So it seems pretty big to me. Well, they're able to create environments using force fields to create physical things. So you can walk like a treadmill forever on the holodeck, right? But the size of the room is only the size of the room. So if you and I are both there, if we're treadmilling in the same direction, we can go forever. But if we go in opposite directions, we're eventually going to bump into the wall. Hmm. And Quark's hollow suites are actually much smaller in scale than uh, the ones on the Enterprise. So you couldn't actually fit a whole courtroom of people into it. You could make it look like it was much bigger, but it's actually... You know, Quark's hollow suites are only size of like a regular sized room, so you would all be bumping up against the walls in that scenario. Okay, well there you go. Yeah, there it is. So that's why you couldn't. But uh, let's face it, the practical reason is they built Quark's. It's a set. The set's built. We're gonna use it, and uh, even if it doesn't quite make sense, why they have to shut down a casino to do a courtroom. Uh so Cisco we see here sets Odo on the task of investigating the murder back on Klystron four. So, uh, so Odo heads off to be private. Could, could detective you say Odo. he was set off to be Columbo? Thank you for watching. Keep in mind, <laughs> watch deep space nine. <laughs> no, I feel like that. Oh God. So uh, the hearing begins, and a hundred-year-old, as you mentioned, Bajoran judge shows up. She bangs a round gavel like a Klingon. Uh, so many times. You... They were like, do you see how clever this banging of this thing is? We're going to do it 25 times this episode. Well, it's it's funny because the, the Klingon courtroom had that in Star Trek VI. Of course, when they banged it, there were sparks. So that was really cool. And I don't know why they're like, okay, round ball means gavel in space. But uh, it it feels impractical, right? Because bang, 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 I'm so mad. Then what do you do with it? Because you can't just put it back on your desk. It'll roll off and you'll be adjourned accidentally. So anyway, so uh, we begin our courtroom scene and Cisco makes the argument that the warrant is invalid because it is for Curzon Dax, not Jadzia Dax. Here's where we get to the whole point of the episode. The judge demands demands that it's in proof that Jadzia Dax is legally the same person as Curzon Dax. And uh, so here we are basically doing a very similar structure to the Next Generation episode, The Measure of a Man, in which a uh, really fantastic episode, uh, you should, we should watch it sometime, Mike, um, where they are determining whether Data is a sentient being that has the rights of a of a of a real living sentient being or is he a machine is he an object does he have personal rights 
And it's a very similar dynamic here, establishing, you know, what are the rights, what are the personal rights and responsibilities. Anyway, so Act 3 begins, Cisco sets Bashir to the task of proving medically that Curzon and Jadzia are different people. He tells Kira to search the Federation records for legal precedent, that one trail host is responsible for the acts of previous hosts. Um, so we have an interesting, interesting little legal argument here. Um, and he doesn't really have much of a, an argument yet. So he's sort of searching around for what he can use. Yeah, uh, and it's 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 so clever. The writing is backwards because where they're put, choosing to put the focus because never is the argument not guilty, right? The argument right. is not this person. You're accusing the wrong person. That's where they start because I think, as we'll come to find, I think the more interesting idea that we're toying with is the identity is the mm-hmm. is a symbi- is symbiotic being the same is it because you have the it's almost as if if you uh, were reincarnated and had the memories of your past life are you culpable for those actions right. that's kind of where we start the exploration but it becomes much more fascinating when we find when we really when we focus in on what are the trill and this is where you get good Star Trek separated from bad Star Trek, right? The the whodunit, right? Which is the very basic, which we, we sort of saw in A Man Alone. Like, mm-hmm. did Odo kill this guy? Did he not kill this guy? Which is fine. It's pretty procedural. It's pretty standard fare for television. Like, ah, oh, did he murder him? Did he not? Whatever. But when Star Trek is great, it's about a moral question, not a practical question. And because of the way we talk about this, this is these are sort of moral, ethical, existential questions that were like, what is identity? Who is who? When do you know? And and liability, culpability, your past. How does your past influence your present and your future? And can you move on? Can you whatever? That's where Star Trek is great, and that's what separates this episode from a standard whodunit. Anyway, love it. Uh, so Odo hails from Klystron 4 with news. One, the murder had big consequences. Back on that planet, the victim was a general in a civil war and became a martyr that turned the tide of the war. And two, that Curzon and the general were BFFs. And three, that that general left a widow. So, uh, oh yeah, there's our... There's our gavel. It looks like a soccer ball. All right. Anyway, uh, I got I got behind in my screenshots as I am. Well, this is where screenshots get a little tough because it's really just like different close-ups of the same five people. But right, right, which you'd think would not be compelling television, but we'd think wrong. Oh, so there's our view of Kleistron Four, which is a reuse before. So, uh, in a beautiful set they built mm-hmm. for this. Um, Odo interviews the widow, and she says that Curzon didn't do it, but her son won't listen. She says that there was a secret transmission that told the other side of the Civil War when and where the general was traveling. He was ambushed and kidnapped. Her son believes that Dax made that transmission, and he's ruled out all other people because no one else knew where the general was going to be. So we sort of see the structure of the case. Um, and the widow asks how Curzon is doing, and is very upset to find out 
that Jadzia is now the host of Dax. So she's very upset that Curzon has died. Um, so we a lot of a lot of information. Were you able to track all of that the first time? Because I, I, I always found that a little um, sorta. I mean the the I mean the the, the political plot is pretty is pretty understandable, uh, but because and we come to learn that we're never really given any other suspects, right? So tracking like that, it could have been somebody else. Never really entered into the mix because they didn't really propose those pieces. But the piece of information that is important I did get was that she knows something that right. can turn the tide, but she obviously isn't letting on. And the gratuitous close-ups uh, let us know she knows something. In she fact, knows something. for a brief moment, I was like, oh, did she kill him? Well, I mean, certainly that's a a fair question at that point in the story. A fair indeed, Keith. Fair indeed. Oh, snap. So uh, back at the trial, Itzen calls a Trill expert. One of my favorite the, parts. Who is the guy we saw fingered Dax earlier from the Perv Cove. Uh, and we find out that his symbiont has survived seven different hosts. So he's been around for a while. He and we learn from this. He has all the thoughts and memories of the previous hosts. So that the new host, i.e. Jadzia, would remember and feel the crimes of the previous hosts. Um, which is just a really interesting piece of Trill lore. So you're you're literally walking around with seven lifetimes of memories, feelings, and experiences that you are experiencing in a new way too right mm -hmm. so you have all the memories but then you're when you're incorporating a new host that host might have a different perspective on all of those feelings and memories well not only that before <clears throat> not only that but uh what i what I, it, you know i don't know I, I can't speak for most i i feel like sort of empathic a lot i've i i in, in, internalize a lot of people's emotions and that can be overwhelming and I recognize at that point, and it's great because we get a follow-up later in the episode, excuse me, that uh, there is a skill set, an emotional and, and intellectual skill set that the hosts of the species have to sort of prepare for, for this very reason. And there's an argument made later, we'll get to in a moment, that, well, part of accepting being a host is that you you except the consequences of whatever the previous actions are, which actually ask, leaves me with more questions because is there sort of a sit-down like discussion with the with the symbiote and being like, well, have you murdered anybody? What crimes do I need to know about? Like, it, it seems like such a prestigious event to be chosen that you would make the assumption that they're, they're kind of above these types of acts, but, but clearly not. Anyway. Yeah. Well, and that's, and <clears throat> as we continue our journey with Dax, we're going to get more into that. Well, that is, also, is... yes, because there's, she definitely has a more emotive quality to her as a, as a being than this particular, uh, what, what, Trill is, also refers to the species when they are conjoined. Yes, so Trill is the, that's a, I think Trill applies to both the symbiote and the host. They're from planet Trill, which has both 
the symbionts and the hosts, and that's it's always sort of been that way. Right. I think. And I guess so, but like there's no different name for people who are potential hosts that who don't have the No, I believe they're also trails. You know, if I'm wrong, folks, leave a comment below because I I certainly would love to continue clarifying that. Um, but that is my understanding of it. But you'll um, see that this guy who who clearly has and maybe it's a distinction that isn't intended, maybe it's just performance based, but I like that since this is clearly Jadzia's uh her youth brings more of a bubbly sort of emotional accessibility mm -hmm. to her, whereas this this trill that we is interviewed here seems much more much more centered and it sort of emotionally void. I don't want to say emotionally void, but what's the word I'm looking for? He, he's as, sort of Vulcan-ish a little bit. He's not yeah. he's not very emotionally connected. Yeah, and that there is sort of an element of that where we know that the Dax symbiote is is jollier than most of the trill more of he's, a rapscallion as well he, well i mean and th and a lot of that was curzon but a lot of it i mean that's it's well that's where it, like we're having the actual discussion well was the curzon sort of like fallibility yeah because the writing is is great thus far from what i know of the show because sorry we're getting into the I guess this is kind of what we do. We they were, it's part. It's all we're together. supposed to be analyzing it. That's, that's our, because literally our as occupation they're making these when they're making these distinctions, you, you could make the argument. Oh well, clearly uh, Curzon was the was the the flirtatious one, the womanizer, as is right. made mention. But let's not forget. What have I been saying for weeks now? Jadzia enjoys all of this attention being thrown her way. She loves flirting with the various different men. She loves flirting with. Right. whomever she's <clears throat> enjoys it so so you can't, it, you can't put it you can't you can't put it all on curzon right no well i mean and the curse because the curzon that we know we didn't know the curzon host before it joined with dax so uh that could very well be dax behind the wheel more than curzon we don't and, and the thing is i think that what we can say is that it's a little from column A, a little from column B. That there's well, and, no, there's no specific ratio, and I think Bashir mentions that later. Well, and that's and and I think what we're what we found when we talked more about the science is that there's a symbiont, there's Jadzia, but Jadzia Dax is a third point in the triangle, you know, and and that is a, a distinctly separate being than either one of those two. Anyway, blah 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 blah. Where was I? Uh, so. Itzen makes a decent point that if Trills aren't responsible for the previous host's crimes, they could get away with any crime just by changing hosts. And then Cisco retorts with another good point that hosts are separate beings who only join as adults and they continue to exist with the symbiont. So the hosts don't get put in with the symbiont when they're children. They're fully formed adults before that time. There's another argument made that they don't actually use as an argument. It comes up for a different point. But it's also that until the host dies, they can't separate them, right? Like That's they right. Are once so it's not really an escape. You'd have to like basically commit suicide. You'd, it would be half so Yeah, you'd have to kill your host in order to do that. So it's not, it's not exactly getting away with it scot-free. Um, so only the symbiont would be getting away with it. So in Act 4... The judge proposes separating Dax and Jedzia, just like we were saying, and prosecuting Dax only. 
Bashir explains that the symbiote and the host are genetically independent, uh, but cannot survive without each other. He also explains the brain waves and that Curzon and Jadzia are different and unique. So it's like they're separate, but you can't separate them. So uh, Itzen gets Bashir to explain that the symbiote and the host have two brains that work independently. And that there's no evidence that the symbiote's brainwaves have changed since joining with the new host. Uh, so it really is like two computers that are linked, that are networked together, as opposed to they... It, it's it's very, very complex and very interesting that they're just sort of networking back and forth. Um, so Cisco calls himself to the stand, and he asks Kira to do the questioning. Um, they're a good team. Mm -hmm. He explains how different Curzon was than Jadzia. Curzon liked booze and ladies very much, but he was not a murderer. He explains that he's just getting to know Jadzia, like the point that you were saying, that they're just that their relationship is very young. And uh, he also makes the terrific point asking the question, why are you so sure it was the symbiont who was the murder murdering influence? Why not Curzon? Uh they argue about salt. He makes the metaphor that you you have taken salt into water and now they're intertwined. And Ben Sisko pats himself on the back so hard <laughs> when he comes up with that salt analogy. I laughed audibly. <laughs> it was there he is. I'm He's, so proud of my Oh, he is his smirk is jumping off the screen. He was like, ha ha! I did it. <laughs> Not realizing you very much can re-separate water and salt. Uh, <laughs> then the uh, the judge says that Dax will take the stand, uh, but she continues to say nothing. Then uh, an extra hands Kira a pad saying that Odo is calling rather than just saying it. So uh, I feel like uh, it's like being handed a note. But it's like a pad. I feel like there was like a, a producer's cousin or something like that wanted to be on the show. Like, yeah. oh, hand him this pad. They were so, also like, we built that really nice set of that lady's uh, apartment, so we got to go back. We got to go back. So Odo calls, says he's got some bad news. He's tracked down all the communications from the time, and he has discovered that Curzon was in communication with the general's wife. Were they having an affair? And if so, that is a motive for murder. Which uh, brings us to Act 5. Odo confronts the general's wife. She says that her husband was not the hero he was made out to be when he died. She knows that she can't tell the truth because his martyrdom is important to their people. But she agrees to tell her story. Uh, so we are continuing the mystery of what's going on here. Um, which I thought was it was interesting. The uh, the amount of the amount that martyrdom plays a role in our society coming out of wars, even if it was uh, not really true. I thought I found it interesting just as an insider parallel because we've been dealing with a case in our other show, Keith, where it's so important for the wife to stick by the accused killer in mm. the trial just for just to kind of maintain that image. And here it's very much the same. She. She has some things she knows and says, but she knows that she's able to, I think, very emotionally astutely recognize how important his martyrdom was and the stakes 
of what what would could be potentially rattled if she she yeah and thus as we find out later like she's really the martyr she's the one who actually makes the sacrifice mm-hmm. uh in order to for the good for the greater good here um anyway we'll talk more about that later she does agree to tell her story awesome makeup yeah cool right yeah. It's it's subtle. It, in, also, when you're doing alien makeup, um, it's really hard to act under. So mm-hmm. anytime you can do something that drastically changes the shape of the face without covering your eyes or your mouth, the money that's makers, actually doing yeah. most of the acting. Yeah, it's uh, it's clever. Although I do wonder, it must have been difficult to hear hmm. with all that nonsense over your ears. So everyone else had to shout in the scenes. <laughs> so. Back in the courtroom, Cisco confronts. Oh uh, no! Back in her place, uh, Cisco confronts Dax with the idea that they hadn't that she or that Curzon had had an affair with the widow. Dax still does not say what happened. Cisco knows he's going to lose, and Dax tells him to let it happen. Um, which at this point, I'm fascinated by why Dax would be willing to do that. Um, because basically Dax is saying, let them kill me. Yeah. Well, we find out, you know, we find out later that their sort of moral compass and about promises and all that kind of stuff are different than ours, <laughs> at least where our society sits on them today. Uh, which had me, we'll talk about it because it had yeah. me kind of scratching my head, deciding whether I bought it as a plot point, but I have to keep reminding myself. And this is interesting in the Star Trek thing. That I've never, because I haven't been a fan, really, I haven't really considered a lot of these things. That these people aren't human, right? And that our our whole culture and our moral system and our hierarchy of importance of various things, fidelity, uh, yada yada yada, is very much human. Very much is yeah. that universal? No. Once once you start expanding, blowing out the universe into uh, many, 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 many societies and beings what are the universal morals and what are not universal yeah that's that's a whole well, and and i mean i guess we'll just get into it like i i think for the for the trill right it's not just about morals you're you're dealing with a situation where you are trading hosts and 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 all of these lifetimes and stuff like this like crimes and responsibilities and more and, and also relationships right navigating the sort of semi immortality how do you deal, and we're going to get into this a lot in the future, but like, let's say you were married, then your host dies. What's your relationship with your spouse, with the new yep. host? Yes. So so with, with all of these things, I would imagine your society would develop very codified rules on how to deal with these things. So your responsibilities, your, you know, your, the, the promises you make, your like you said, yeah. fidelity and duty, and and I bet a society like that would have to have some pretty stronger sets of that. But uh, do you know boundaries. what I found really, really kind of interesting, and, and we'll talk about it now. We'll reference it later. And I thought very powerful. So you remember in the, what was the episode with the sort of manhunt game called again? Uh, Captive Pursuit. Captive Pursuit. In that, it was very clear uh what the rules were for that species, right? right? The hunt is the most important thing. Dying with honor during the hunt is the most important thing. These are things set in stone we always do. 
and there was how do we and then the episode was about how do we like bend the different set pieces to adhere to those right. rules that was the big thing Colin Meany discovered or O'Brien discovered in this one of the best parts is we're talking about these intricacies obviously they put a big a big uh, point of emphasis on promises made on right. promises kept that that endure even though when this when the host changes or the the host yeah. changes but she never says and and that final scene which we're about to come up to she never says I had to keep the secret. She knew Jadzia Dax made these decisions based right. on her intelligence, based she on cho- this. She that chose to keep the secret, you know, and and you get a sense of the the morality of Jadzia Dax, right? Even though there's, you know, the 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 affair itself is sort of an immoral act. Her greater sense of morality that like what's better for this society mm-hmm. is bigger than just me. And that speaks to sort of that very Star Trekian moral center um, that, uh, that Jadzia has. Um, however, in the scene, she does admit that Curzon did have the affair and he did love her. So the judges calls the hear the judge calls the hearing back to order and Cisco questions Dax on the stand. Cisco before can... we exit that scene, yes. though, sorry, I thought yeah. that's an important scene because I think it's it's one where, <clears throat> and she says you have to let me go. It's definitely two sided because is it's it's also as we talked about that sort of subtle subplot. It was the first time I think Ben here realizes I do have to let my my old mm. friendship go. This is something yeah, new, and that's that has passed. I'm I'm glad I'm glad you you pointed that out because I I think that's very important um that you know especially in the pilot right he's sort of interacting with her as Curzon in a in a different outfit right and and this is him realizing that no it's not Curzon Curzon is It's not gone. immortality. Atrilla is not an immortality, right? Right. It is right. You're, it's a it's almost a rebirth in many in, in It many is. Ways. No. Yeah, for sure. Um and so and I, it, I don't want to give away any spoilers, but like, there's some really fascinating continuations of this idea oh, um, as as we move forward. Um, but yeah, no, it's a and you know, Deep Space Nine. What makes Deep Space Nine, in my opinion, possibly the best trek out there? And that's character development, right? We are seven episodes in, and we are seeing a relationship change. A relationship grow and develop uh, in a way that it didn't really happen on Next Gen. I mean, Next Gen did to some extent, but not nearly as in depth or as far or as fast as it does in this. So uh, anyway, so Cisco questions Dax. Cisco confirms that the Trill hosts are tested heavily uh, in academics and character before they can be a host, and we find out that Jedzia had quite the career before she was joined um so which is also part of why i think that joining is a includes an informed consent from the host that yeah i really want to do this and i am a full person i'm an adult i have done all of these things um also it's not really clear in this episode but we're going to find out later mike that there are very few hosts i mean uh symbionts to hosts so most trills never be never have a symbiont. 
I don't know if that was implied or if that's just what I assumed. But a yeah. question that still remains for me is, yes, it's clearly you are, as a host, you are chosen, but are you chosen by like a select committee? Are you chosen by the symbiote itself? What What is uh, that specific selection process? Well, we're going to get into it, but I'll give you the, the cliff notes. Uh, it is a committee, um, and you don't, you you are rarely chosen by the symbiote. You were chosen by the committee, although there is, um, Dax has an interesting story that is a little different, but we're going to tell it later. Uh, so, Itzen confirms that Jadzia accepted all of the responsibilities of the, of the host, but we never confirm if she is actually legally responsible for the actions of the previous hosts. Um, so that, that question was set up, but we never get the real answer to that. Um, because the widow walks in and she announces that Dax is innocent. And not only that, she is the alibi because they were getting it on when the transmission was sent. Uh, hearing adjourned, boom. Now, she she makes reference to actually to like she doesn't say who killed him or she doesn't she say, explains well, sort of what happened but I didn't quite follow it. Next, I'll, I'll exp so she does not explain it in the courtroom. Um, so right now all all she says is Dax didn't do it. Dax was with me. We were done doing it. Um, so I'm the alibi, which. I mean, certainly is probably enough to end the extradition hearing. It happens real fast uh, for, for TV's sake. I would probably like <laughs> have a little bit longer of a questioning and verifying all of this, but we don't have time. That is there's the no thing. time. There's, there's no sort of verification, but I guess they're just, they're establishing that she does have an alibi. Well, and but also like, this is not the trial. This right. is they an extradition They make hearing. a point of saying that often. So this is like that. So this this is to whether or not they can take her to trial. Um, so the rules of evidence will be different, the rules of whatever. But um, that gets resolved very quickly. Uh, but it's it's a good thing because it allows Jadzia and the Widow to catch up privately. And this is where we find out what actually happened. Uh, Curzon swore to hide the affair to protect the memory of the general. It wasn't necessarily hiding the affair. And that the general had been the one to betray to his people. Right? Yeah. So the uh, the general was defecting to the rebels and was going to uh, betray his people. And the rebels were like, yeah, yeah, just tell us where you are. And then they killed him. And mm -hmm. that was the impetus for people rising up. So it that's was why Lamar. they communicate of like where he was going to be is because he was like, oh, meet me at Yeah, meet me at whatever, whatever. And they're like, yeah, sure, sure. Then they killed him and then Lamarck is dead. And then that's what got people going up. So them keeping secret it was not about hiding the affair. It was about hiding the fact that the general had betrayed his people and but was also the symbol of that got them to rise up and win the war. Um, oh, see, I misinterpreted that a little bit, and that's in, an important misinterpretation. Because okay, that fixes a problem I had. Uh, because I was my point was like I I get like Dax's refusal to to say any of this. I get it, 
But it seems they must really, it's so comical because here, if a politician or somebody has an affair, nobody <laughs> gives two shits. <laughs> we so used I was like, to care it's so about crazy that. that it would be that important, even for another species. But that, but it's not about that at all. It's, it just so happens that he was seen as a martyr. Politically listening. Yeah. Yeah. All right. That fixes one of my little uh, yeah. quibs. Yeah. So it, it, it was, yeah, it, it wasn't about the affair at all. The affair happened to be happening um, at the same time. The, the affair actually ends up only being an alibi. Mm-hmm. It's not really about that at all. It's about the general, you know, betraying his, his people. So it was a and bit of a bait and great. switch. This scene is great. It's a beautiful scene um, that uh, that Dax and the and 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 the woman they clearly still love each other, but you know obviously the situation has changed, and so it's. I thought it was it was really beautifully done, and the last thing that the general's wife says is "live," is now go live a long and happy life as Jadzia, which I thought was was beautiful, frankly. Reminded me of um, Keith and I share a love for the Shawshank Redemption, and mm. uh, it, it reminds me of uh, Brooks when he says, "Get busy living or get busy dying." And, yeah, uh, here you go. No, I I thought it was I thought it was really beautifully done and I and and beautifully performed yes. honestly by um by Terry Farrell and uh Fiona Flanagan. No, 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 uh Anne Haney. Um because there was a lot of subtext and emotion there in in a fairly emotionless scene. It was it was very it was beautifully performed, beautifully written, very well done. All right. So, that is the episode and uh before we go to the Alamoremis. You know what it's time for. It is time for me to get to the right screen. There it is. And do. And now it's time for Mike and Deglio's Star Trek vocabulary quiz. Okay, Mike, your first vocab. What? No! Your first vocab <laughs> word is Roctagino. Uh, yes. Um, so I live in Philadelphia and mm-hmm. you can go to Pat Steaks. Pat mm-hmm. Steaks is a famous cheesesteak mm-hmm. place here. Mm-hmm. But if it's too crowded, yeah, you just go across the street and you rock to Geno's. Inaccurate, inaccurate, data in error. <laughs> Come on, that's pretty damn good, Keith. I, I I did I, look. I have done the Pats and Genos off. Uh, mm-hmm. I I preferred Genos actually. That's what I'm saying. If you're at Pats and you're yeah. like it's too crowded or it's yeah. like just too much in the onions, you just rock the Genos. Yeah. Well. Okay. There you go. So uh, now <laughs> we have now Wait, talked over all the rest of the music. Your vote. What's the actual? Question. What's the actual answer? Oh, the actual answer. It's Klingon coffee. Oh. Okay. So uh, you know what? I need to I need to load up just the music because we. I gave us like a minute and ten seconds to do two words, and we barely get through one. So Klingon coffee. You can't stifle a good pun. <sighs> I can't. Wish I could. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, yeah, Klingon coffee. Rock the Gino. I'm I'm assuming it's extra strong or something, but uh, you're gonna hear that word a lot. So your second word is tractor beam. Oh, the tractor beam. We know that one. The tractor beam was used like it's used in any alien encounter. It is a, a beam of energy that can grab you and pull you back in like a big old claw game. 
Affirmative. There you go. All right. Very good. We are one for two. Now it is time to come along home, Mike. Two. Rubber match. The. Oh, the only two? We don't get a rubber match? We don't, I don't get to like decide. You got to come up with another one. We talked about this before. We have 176 episodes. There's only so many vocab words. You get two uh, an episode. Oh, well, here's one I definitely don't know yet. Okay, here we are at the Alamoremis, and we're going to uh, ask our first question. Mike, did you find any wormholes in the plot? No, Keith, I, I did not. Uh, I had my one quibble, which was like, why are they so upset about it? Why would they be so upset about an affair? But it turns out that's been answered uh, just by paying a little bit more attention to the episode. And uh, so, no, Keith, are there any that I missed? No, I don't think so. I mean, I think the uh, how quickly it got dismissed and adjourned, I think was it wasn't a wormhole. It was like it it was probably just a little compressed. Um, you know, I I certainly have the the episode leaves you with a lot of questions about Trill Law, but I think that was intentional. Um, so mm-hmm. it wasn't it wasn't a wormhole. I think it was a yeah, it was a pretty tight episode, frankly. Yeah, I mean, the only, I found, like, if, if you were, if we're going, like, superfluous stakes, which they, you know, the ticking clock always, but did we have to make the the extraditor the 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 general's son? Like, was that, nece- it didn't feel, I don't feel like it paid off in mm-hmm. any way, but that was the only thing, that other thing that was kind of like, mm. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's it, I think you're right. It's not a wormhole in the plot. It seems like an extra contrivance that was unnecessary. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I mean, like, I, I, from the writing standpoint, you're trying to, give Itzen's character stakes I'm trying to make it urgent for him um but uh it, yeah it didn't well, really it pay sets off. it up almost it almost made it like he was going to be an antagonist and he is but he's not so much a bad guy because he's he's he right. makes salient points the whole way you know what I yeah, mean yeah I, I guess if you're if if I'm writing it and you're going to make it family then you've got to see him work he, he has to sort of step off out of the lines of his job to get Which this I guess done. you could argue he does in the beginning, trying to like cir- circumnavigate the the Bajoran mm-hmm. extradition treaty or lack thereof. Yeah, you know, uh, yeah, I suppose that's true. I in and I guess, uh, you know, maybe that does fix it, Mike. I think did you we close it. our own wormhole. <laughs> I think you closed the wormhole, Mike. Okay, well, we did it. Done. Well, now let's talk about our favorite moment, Mike. What was your uh, favorite moment from this episode? <sighs> so I feel like the final moment is really mm. beautiful between the two characters. I won't even say women, right? Like the, between Jadzia Dax and- The general's and wife. The general's wife. I found that very beautiful, but that's an emotional beat. I, I really, I mentioned it at the very top, we talked about it in the middle, so I won't belabor the point. I really find Ben Sisko's journey here to be my mm. favorite. I don't think it's the most important because I learned a lot about the, the trill that I really enjoyed, but his journey here is so subtle. And for Amy Brooks, He's he's very rarely subtle, uh, I'll say. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so to to have him play the subplot, I mean, he does punch the wall in that one scene, but that was directed. Uh, uh, I just found that subplot to be just confident writing. They didn't have mm. to add it. They didn't. 
I don't even know if it, they even focused on it in any way, but I just found it to be very kind of beautiful. So, yeah, I, I, no, I, I did too. I think that watching their relationship grow is, uh, is, is really fascinating. Yeah. I mean, I, I think for me, it's, it's going to be what you mentioned that, that last scene, the last scene between Anne Haney and, uh, and Terry Farrell. I thought it was really beautifully written, beautifully acted, uh, gave us, in a lot of ways, a lot more information about the trill from an emotional standpoint mm-hmm. than than we learned from all the practical standpoints. That uh, we're like, oh, do you have the memories of the previous host or whatever? Like, she very much had the memories and had the feelings, and and that that emotional relationship was very present there. Um, so that that is very interesting too when you think through all of the lifetimes in the dax symbiont how like you said about sort of being overwhelmed by all the emotions and all the thoughts and feelings like wow to to put yourself in in jadzia's shoes to have that strong feelings about seven lifetimes uh has got to be it's got to be a lot going on uh in the head there so uh, uh, honorable honorable mention to the scene with the other trill too. I thought that was really a good scene. Mm. Uh, the information we gleaned from him and the kind of contrast we could pull between his demeanor and his, the way he carried himself versus Jedzia. Yeah. Dax. Yeah, for sure. All right. Well, we have only one more thing to do and that is give this episode a rating and, uh, Mike remind me what our, uh, what our, what we are being rated by. I'm happy to always remind you of the self-sealing stem bolts, Keith. But at some point, we're going to probably want an ep- the We're going to need to bring it all home with some sort of a musical cue here. We we probably will. But you know, Mike, I I think uh, there here you are with an opportunity. That's true. Yeah, I don't have mm. to. Do, I don't have to do all the cues. You are every bit the musician as well, sir. That's true. Uh, you're right. I might have to self-seal some notes. Anyway, <laughs> um. How you many self-sealing stem bolts? The only real knock on this episode is sort of the, let's just insert a quark uh, Odo scene. Uh, even the Odo Columbo stuff seemed a little uh, short-changed. I kind of enjoyed Columbodo, but uh, those scenes were a little truncated too. But hey, look, I'm glad we focused on the important stuff, which was the litigation, which I found to be very... I was joking with Keith before. I find it to be one of the better episodes of the practice we've seen this season. That's true. Yep. yep. And I, I think it fulfills that. And what's and the confidence it's what it has that the practice has lacked a lot this season, Keith, is confidence in the writing. Mm. And they didn't even have to resolve they didn't even resolve the the case until the last thirty seconds. And it was still yep. satisfying because the emotional beats and the character development along the way was so important. I have so much more interest in, in Jadzia Dax now, which I have been lacking. Uh, Bashir had some great, I get, we, his intro moments gave me the comedy in, that I needed, just enough kind of lightheartedness that I needed. They didn't overstay their welcome with the, the combat stuff. Yep. The, the ideas that we've talked about, I mean, this conversation we've had for this episode has been my favorite of all the ones we've had because. It's like you say all the time, these these conceptual quandaries that we, we didn't really come down anywhere other than realizing what Ben realized is that Jad's is that the Trill are a new entity each time. Yeah. And that comes with a lot of ambiguity, a lot of emotional and practical gray area. But guess what? 
as we learn in therapy, Keith, sometimes just living with the unknown and living with the complicated feelings is the game, right? It's not yeah. black and white. That's yep. black and white is 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 an idea. Black and white is an idea, a foolhardy idea of the young. Yeah. Um. So I think Keith, this mm-hmm. is my favorite episode of Deep Space Nine. Uh, I think conceptually, uh, I, I enjoyed the the Q less for its uh, irreverency, but this is my favorite episode thus far. Uh, I don't want to go crazy because mm-hmm. I know I want to leave a little room, but I'm going to give it an eight point out of a hundred. An eighty-eight point nine five self sealing stem bolts. Wow. Yeah. Well, I mean, look, I felt this way about Emissary, right? I want my Star Trek to have three elements, right? I want science, I want emotion, and I want relationships, right? And the episodes that are all science are a little cold. The episodes that are all emotion are a little lacking in the science of the science fiction part. And this had all of the elements that I really, really like. And 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 like you, I think our conversation about this, which will be an ongoing conversation, is what I like best about Trek, is, is really trying to just chew on these bigger themes, these bigger ideas, these bigger questions, and, and how they could relate to us. In, in all the ways in which we reinvent ourselves and and how tied should we be to the person we were when we were 20 as opposed to the person we are in 40 in our 40s like it's a it's an interesting uh, it's a fascinating question so I thought it was it was acted beautifully it was written beautifully it was an elegant episode of highbrow television right mm-hmm. this this was very this asked its audience to be to to go on a journey with them and to like keep up and really start to think through these things. Yes, Mike. Sorry. Uh, and the other thing it didn't do is make any of it about sex and about right. her sexual identity or the fact right. that she was a man and now she's not a man. It it didn't come up. wasn't important. Yeah. Even them sleeping. Even the affair wasn't about the affair. It was about right. the love that right. existed before and after and the scene in the end. There was no weirdness that she was caressing her face and that the love was still there because they were both female. None right. of it, it. It didn't matter. Yeah. It didn't matter. And yeah. that's also ballsy. That's also a lot of confidence. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny. We, we never once even, never once even talked about it. Um, but that's what the show shows. Like, that's not what we're, that's not what we're here for. Um, so anyway, I, I, I really like this episode. I think it's one of the strongest episodes of season one. Um, Although there's one coming up that's a doozy by the end of the season, um, which is awesome. So I actually wrote down my number of self-sealing stem bolts before you said 88.95, and I wrote down 88. So uh, there it is. We are very much in queue on uh, on this. So uh, exciting. I was so I was excited to talk about this one. I'm happy that we did. So uh, next week. We will be talking about the passenger. Ooh! Uh, so, uh, yeah, that's gonna be also interesting to talk about. Okay, we're gonna watch the passenger. Um, so <laughs> don't know what that means. 
Well, Mike, we're going to watch The Passenger. You'll understand what that means I next week. I love a There tease. it is. All right. So uh, anyway, we'd like to thank our patrons who have are, are supporting the show. You can find them at patreon.com slash K&M. We are very much appreciative of them. Go there, join up, get all the fun stuff uh, and all the bonus things. And uh, till then, we will see you next week with another episode of Keith and Mike Watch Deep Space Nine. Thank you for watching. Like and subscribe. Thank you for watching K&M Entertainment. If you enjoyed our particular brand of nonsense, please like and subscribe. Or become one of our patrons at patreon.com slash K&M. <laughs>